How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all look fabulous. So we're going to get started. We are so excited. There is a lot to cover. Um, and we have a dynamic uh, speaker that is about to come before us. Just an FYI, we are recording because we want these presentations to be available on our podcast. Um, so just so you know, uh, we will be recording uh, this time and the remainder of this month. So we want to welcome you to the Without Walls Global Missions Month equipping series. And so this is a unique time for us and we're so excited about what God has already done. We had a phenomenal time last week welcoming Pastor Rashira and hearing a word about showing forth the glory of God in his church by reaching the nations, amen? It was a powerful, powerful time. And this week, we're going to take it another level higher. And so I am so, um, I had the distinct honor of introducing my dear sister in Christ, Sophia Wang from Send International. We met some years ago at, I think, yep, Christian Stronghold. She speaks at missions conferences regularly, um, and she always speaks with such power that has always convicted a deepening relationship with God for me and a more intensely passionate heart for the nations and reaching the gospel. So just to give you a little background on Send International. Send International is an interdenominational, multinational Christian mission organization with over 500 missionaries in more than 20 areas of Asia, Europe, Eurasia, in North America, with over 40% of the world's population living outside the reach of the local church and billions who haven't heard the gospel, Send International invites you to join a global movement of Jesus followers making disciples among the unreached in order to establish reproducing churches. Sophia Wang went to Spain in 2009 with Send International primarily to teach biology and environmental science at Evangelical Christian Academy, a school serving missionary kids near Madrid. She also enjoyed the opportunity to play ice hockey and help with university mission, uh, ministry there. Sophia served with Send Spain until 2016. Now serving in global mobilization, from the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, Sophia shares her journey as an American-born Chinese woman called to full-time ministry so that the church might develop into a greater, fuller picture of God's heart for the world and mission. She looks forward to seeing God multiply and unify his diverse global workforce sent into his harvest field, followers of Jesus from every tongue, tribe, and nation to hear beyond and to the ends of the earth until the church reflects fully the vision given in Revelation 7. Amen. Isn't that exciting? So let's pray over this time. Father God, we are so grateful for this day, your day that you have made 
God, we thank you for the awesome opportunity to be a part of what you are doing in the world. We thank you, God, that you have called us to be your followers, to advance your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, a heart that is ready to receive. Father, we pray right now that you would ignite in us a passion so fiery, God, that we are willing to go wherever you have called us to go and send wherever you have called us to send so that we can truly reach the nations and show off your glory. God, we cover Sophia right now. We ask that you would empower her by your spirit. We know, God, that she has prepared, but we pray that you would cover her with your anointing during this time. Speak through her with your power and authority, and we thank you in advance for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I present to you Sophia Wang. Well, after that introduction, I think I can sit down. <laughs> uh, but thank you very much, Kanita, and thank you, New Direction Fellowship, for allowing me to be here to just offer my story as a part of what God is doing in the world. And it's really about his story. And this is why I hold the Bible, because this is really the message that we bring. It's the only message that I have. It's what we have received that we pass on. And that is our call, to take what we've received and pass it on. So thank you for this privilege to be here and pass on what God has brought to my heart through his spirit. And may he bless the reading of his word as we study it today. Um, I'm going to jump ahead here just because I know that uh, Kanita covered some of this stuff already. Um, but this is a little bit of the overview I'm giving you of what we're going to look into today. Big idea is that it's his story. I don't know if you've seen this before. I'm going to write it up on the board. Sorry, I hope that this doesn't mess up the recording. Here's the word. History. Notice, it really says this is a story of God's glory. And he reveals it to people. I mean, this whole book that we have, the precious word of God, it begins with God's revelation to create, to be known, to show us who he is. That's why we have this. We have his story so that we would know him and we would make him known. And he's worked through past, our present, and he is already there in the future. We are not there, but he's told us here in the story everything already that we need for life and godliness to know him and to make him known. So today we're going to look at a couple of stories. I'm going to share a little bit about Send, a little bit about um, history of African-American missions. We're going to look at a little bit of my story as well, which you heard already, uh, playing ice hockey in Spain. <laughs> and we're really going to look into what God's word says about his continuing story that moves through his church. And when I say his church, I mean his global, eternal body that he has bought with his blood on the cross. And 
Wow, if we're sitting here today with that knowledge, what a privilege we are sitting in. To be called, to be chosen, to be elected to his family. Brothers and sisters, we are one in Jesus because of what he has done. And because of that, we have more than we could have ever imagined in this life and the next. So today, we're going to look and see what, what is God asking us to do in response to what he has richly blessed us with. We're going to look, you've re you should have received a, a puzzle piece. You can see that they were gonna, there's going to be a little activity here in the middle to consider some puzzling pieces. Um, here's a just quick reminder, of course. We know, we know, know this passage of the Great Commission. What we may not realize is that it's all the way throughout the Bible. But one key thing I just want to touch on today is that disciples make disciples, right? So if we've received, right, we pass on. That is the DNA of a follower of Jesus Christ. Now the problem is that some places in the world, there are no disciples to pass on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of him. So as Kanita said, Send International, our vision is to stir up the global church so that we would see a movement of Jesus followers making disciples, especially among the unreached. Because we know from God's word in Romans is that if there's nobody there to tell them about the gospel, how will they believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear it if nobody has sent them to hear the gospel? So we send because we know there are places in the world that have not yet heard the name of Jesus. Unfortunately, that's a pretty sizable amount of the world. We consider the unreached to be those living in areas where it's less than 2% evangelical Christian, okay? And so then the possibility of them knowing someone who knows Jesus, who can make a disciple of them in Christ is very little. If there is a church, that church is not yet able to reproduce. I visited, for example, one of our fields in Slovenia. Slovenia is a very small country, um, but essentially, you know, the size of Philadelphia, let's say 2 million people, just on average here, do you know how many believers of Jesus Christ there are in that country? Okay, so the size of Philadelphia. Think about how many churches we have in Philadelphia. Total, there's estimated about 1,300 believers in that whole entire country. They can speak the heart language, Slovene, to minister to that people group and make him known. That may be one church in Philadelphia. Can you imagine one church in the whole city of Philadelphia? That's the number of believers gathered, and but they're spread out in that whole country. One of the believers that I met there, a young man, he literally had to leave his country to, so that God would encounter him. He was searching. He searched in Buddhism. He searched in New Age. He was searching. His heart was searching. And he left the country for school and encountered a Jesus follower who had also been on a journey, had once tried out Buddhism, 
and said, that's not the way. I know the way now. The way is Jesus Christ. And so she shared the gospel with this young man. And now he's back in his country, one of those few, joining together with our workers, with the other few believers that are there and saying, we got we to gotta witness because people need to know the truth. And I know that there are people that are searching all over because God's word tells us that's true. The harvest is plentiful. Are we looking our eyes open for them? Because they're searching. So let's go to them. Kanina mentioned already some of the statistics on here. Uh, this is the, the number, the reality of what we're looking at when we talk about the unreached. We mentioned it's about 42% of the world, 42% of the world is considered living in parts of the world that are unreached. Their people group does not have a reproducing gospel witness of Jesus Christ. We got to go to that 42%. We are privileged living here in the United States of America of being the other side of that, about the 40% where we do have gospel access. But 42% of the world is way too much to not know Jesus and not have a chance even in their lifetime to respond. That makes up 7,000, about 7,000 unreached people groups that still exist today. Now, praise God, that number is less today than it was before because God is on the move. And we, as a part of Center International, we are looking to engage that 3.14 billion and rising number because the world population continues to reproduce and specifically in some of these areas where they are born, they live, they reproduce, they die, and they have not yet heard. So we want to make that a priority. We can see here, um, there's a map out here in the front, and I'm leaving uh, Kanita for your service, uh, uh, quite a few maps that show the status of the church in the world. And the red highlights the areas where there's less than 2% evangelical Christian. Green would mean that there's a, a reproducing church witness, okay, and in, in between there on the scale. But every two seconds, every two seconds, someone in that world of being unreached has passed away. Every two seconds, not even having a chance to know someone who knows Jesus Christ. And that definitely is something to be sober about. Because we should count it a blessing, a rich blessing from the Lord to have inherited the knowledge of our Lord and the scriptures in a word that we can understand. 42% of the world may not have that opportunity unless we go to make disciples. So as part of Send International, what we're doing, um, we are engaging. We want to engage those unreached people groups just uh, in some of our goals for 2020. We hope to engage 10 new unreached people groups. We've already in, in that progress uh, met six out of that 10 goal, new unreached people groups engaged in the, in, by 2020. Um, we want to send out more global workers um, from the U.S. here, we've already sent out 48 towards this goal of 2020. 
uh, and of the 150 of global workers, that is, ones that we're seeing sent out from nations like the Philippines, where we once sent missionaries, but now full circle are sending out missionaries, or from Hong Kong, or from China, or Taiwan, some of these places where we're still sending missionaries, we also are starting to see those disciples rise up, become church leaders, and even go out as missionaries with our organization. And so we have a goal there for 50, and we have already have 23 coming out of those global harvest fields now saying we are going to go everyone to everywhere to finish the task. Now, let's go on a little history tour. Do you know who America's first missionary was? Because Send International, you know, we were only 1945 after World War II. And it's really neat how God moves people because he moves people so that we would see. And the American GIs that went over, they saw peoples in Japan. They saw peoples in the Philippines that had yet to hear. And that's how our organization started. But do you know who the first missionary was? Your good Baptist roots here. I'll give you a hint. He was also the first black Baptist preacher and missionary. The first missionary sent out from the United States of America was a black freed slave. George Leo. And we're going to tell a little bit about his story here. I'm sure you want to hear more. And I think if you did not know that, you got to take a look. Because that's, that's our history. And we need to know where we've been in the past because it's part of his story. And it helps us to reveal who we are today. And then it gives us the confidence for where God is taking us in the future. We need to know those past stories. Because there's a rich history of African Americans in missions. George Leal, like I mentioned, um, his name here, even the, the name Leal, right, is his father's name. Okay, so he was a slave. They don't even know. They say, well, what's in a name? Because, we, you know, many of us, right, we have a first name and a last name. But what does that last name mean? What does it tell us about that person? He's also sometimes called George Sharp. Because his slave owner was a man, a British man named Sharp. And we see that disciples were still making disciples in the Baptist church here in the United States of America. And one man, a pastor, um, his name was Matthew Moore. I'm going to jump ahead here. He saw the potential in this young man, George. And he taught him how to read the scriptures. He taught him about Jesus, this pastor. Because that's the heart of disciples, right? We make disciples wherever we are with whomever God puts in our path. And so George was baptized. And pretty soon, the elders of this Baptist church, actually white Baptist elders, they said, wow, this man has a gift. He has a gift to preach, and we want to empower him. We want to encourage him. And his master actually said, you know what we need to do so that he can use his gift more freely 
is I will free this man. Because he is called to preach and make disciples. And he was then free to go. He, he taught among the other slaves. And many people came to know Christ. Up until that point, George's father was the only black man that they knew, that, who, that they said that they knew Jesus. But now, many came to know Jesus. And the first black congregation was started in a barn that one of the other slave owners said, you guys can use this for your worship. They empowered this group of believers so that they could grow. There was partnership there. There was vision. There was a work of God at work. And we see, we have a choice similar. We can re-enslave like George's um, slave owner, once he had been freed, the children, believe it or not, after the Revolutionary War, because uh, their father had, had been shot in the war, they tried to re-enslave George Leo. He had his papers, though. He sat in jail for a little bit. Uh, and then he showed his papers. He said, no, I'm a free man. But we also have that choice, and we have that choice especially for our young people. Will we re-enslave them to things of the world? Because Jesus has set us free, right? Or we will launch them, empower them, encourage them, and say, I see a gift in you, and I want you to use it more freely. So church, are we going to send out our young people with power in the spirit? And say, Jesus, do a work because we want to see multiplication. We want to see peoples that are unreached like we once were be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, before, instead of being re-enslaved, uh, George Leal actually took upon himself to become an indentured servant, to take a bond of $700 to get a passageway out of the United States to Jamaica. And what he did there was he started a church planning movement, just like he had done in the American South. He discipled others who then discipled and built up churches. You can look at some of the other names of, of those that were influenced by his work. Um, the legacy of George Leal. I'm going to pull this off just because I'm probably messing up the mic. The first Protestant missionary to go out to establish a foreign mission with the partnership of English missionaries established a Jamaican mission. He had also, of course, started black church in Savannah, Georgia, 1802. Um, and those that came to, to work with him in Jamaica, these English missionaries became convinced that they needed to go back to England and fight abolition. And you know, well, if you know the history, Jamaica actually, right, had freed their slaves before the United States and even before England. But a movement started because of George Leal being moved by God. Will we also follow in that rich heritage in taking a choice to consider? It was not William Carey or others that have been so off celebrated in the white missions movement. 
but George Leal, who was the first. And thankfully, we are starting to see some recognition of that. Uh, a little bit late, I think, but 2012, um, finally, the Southern Baptist did recognize his pioneering missions. Um, and we can see that there are some reasons why maybe there was some hidden history. I don't have time to unpack that all. But let me tell you, this is what I do. <laughs> because I'm speaking here so that we see this is our history. And I say our history because we are one. But I also speak to my white brothers and sisters, especially in my organization. They have gifted me that opportunity to say, let's open our eyes. Because we don't want to continue wrongdoing and injustice. We want to be a part of God's kingdom, becoming one and bringing redemption through the works and the words and our hearts of compassion that reveal our Lord. Now, you should have uh, picked up a puzzle piece. Oh, sorry, where'd that go? Ha. So we are going to do a little activity. I'm going to write up some things up on the board here because we're going to look, again, keeping in mind the scheme of history because that's God's. We're going to look at this puzzle piece that you have. I'm going to, I have a puzzle piece up here on the, the board. I just want you to tell me. I'm going to write up on the board. What would you describe? How would you describe what we see here? Just call out. Call out. Someone must have known the title of this. I'm finished. Yes? Dark. Oh, good. What else? Curvy. Yes? Isolated. I like that. Yes. I mean, I don't like being isolated, but good word. What do we see? Anything else? An image, it's flat. Do we see some colors? It's, it's just it's blue, right? That's blue. Okay. What, what do we see the image of? I already kind of mentioned it because I gave you a hint already in your hands. Okay, it's a puzzle piece. So thinking about these things, we know there's a puzzle piece here. We might imagine... that it belongs to something bigger than itself. Now what do we see? Tell me some more things. Yeah, now we're really seeing that. See, Kanita, you just jumped ahead. Now we see, oh yeah. Because by itself, it could look like it's just itself, right? But if we know that it's a part of a puzzle, now we know that the picture is unfinished. What else? There's something missing. Amen. Thank you for pointing out that keyword. Missing. Unfinished. This puzzle is not complete, is it? Not complete. It's incomplete. So we have a puzzle to solve. It's still what color? <laughs> Blue. All right. <laughs> Perhaps there's more to the picture than what we see. Perhaps 
this blue puzzle piece, the missing piece, is part of a bigger journey that reveals a bigger world that God has for us to impact. But I imagine, actually, from what I know from God's word, that there are a lot more things than what we have seen so far. Tell me more about this picture now. What do you see? Can you see it? <laughs> describe, describe. Colorful. Oh, no. Colorful, I see a map of the nations. How many nations do I see? Many nations. I see lots of colors, don't I? What else? Okay? Do you see? There's still, still puzzle pieces, right? But what's different than what we saw before? There's a complete puzzle. Okay? And all of those pieces, there is not one missing. They are all linked together into one beautiful piece of the whole world. And there are many colors. Now, how do I know? that God has something more, is because he already told us the story's end, right? Some of you have some uh, scriptures, I hope. I hope all the uh, scriptures got passed out because otherwise I'll be scrambling to figure out who's got what. All right, who's got uh, Genesis 12.3? We got someone who can read that aloud. If you have it, just go ahead and stand up because we're going to look at the story throughout God's story, which is found in his word to see what he tells us about the ending. The ending that we are moving towards, church, together. Genesis 12, 3. We got someone or we got a volunteer? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can see if you're lined up here. Psalm 67, 7 is next. Habakkuk 2. 14, if you don't know where that book is, you know, you got to go look to get a head, head start. Mm. Who's going to be blessed? All the nations. All the nations are going to be blessed. And who, who is God talking to at that time? Abraham. This is the Abrahamic covenant, which the church, right, we have received. So we also have received this commission from the beginning, Genesis, that as we have received a blessing, God has blessed us. God says, I will make you a blessing so that you can be a blessing to all the nations. We know the story from the beginning to the end. Let's take a look. Psalm 67, 7. Oh, man, a great psalm if you can read through all of it, but we'll highlight this one because it tells us, again, a will, a future. Amen. Who's going to fear him? All the ends of the earth. All the ends of the earth. This is where we're headed, church. All right, God is going to be known. He's going to be feared because he is God. And he'll be known in all the church 
all over the world. Habakkuk 2, 14. Oh, this is a beautiful one, thinking about our blue puzzle pieces. Amen. Do we long for that day? Like all those blue puzzle pieces, think about the world covered with his glory. The whole earth he wants. The whole earth he created, he deserves, he is worthy of all our praise. Matthew 24, 14. Hmm, there's the end, right? We tell, we say, wait, what's going to happen before the end comes? Before this? The whole gospel is going to be preached to the ends of the earth. We got to go. That's how we get to the end. All right, Revelation 5, 9 to 10. Praise God. Got to read through that whole passage too. Mm. What have we not yet seen? But we know is coming. All nations. Jesus has bought already every people with his blood. And he is worthy to deserve the praise and worship of each one of those that he has purchased with his precious blood on the cross. And yet how, again, will they believe and be saved if they have not yet heard? How will there be disciples made if there are no disciples going there? Revelation 7, 9. Let's finish up. Big picture here. Praise God. Nice and loud. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation, a great multitude. And what are we doing? We are all praising the one king, the one king, united as one family. There is no division. There is one God. And so we see the end of the story here. It's a lot more colorful. It's a lot more complete. By God's grace, we know that he will complete it because it's not dependent on us. It is his story throughout history, past, present, and our future, part of that inheritance, part of this family, this glorious, rich grace of God to see his glory fill the earth in and through and to all of his peoples. Once again, uh, the word tells us all these things. I did not come up with this. Jesus' word tells me. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 12. Someone has that. 
Amen. Amen. Sometimes we get stuck looking at this. We say, God, this don't feel good. I don't like what I'm going through. You know what? I'd really like if just this would happen. God, isn't there something more? He says, yes, child. Believe. I love that in this verse it says, just as God now, God now knows me completely. He is already here with us. We're the ones that need to move through history to get there. Will we do that, brothers and sisters, by the one thing that he gives us, which is by faith? Will we believe in what his word has said that will take us from there to here, together, together? All right, let's take a look because, again, I got to hit this one again just because I love this. Every nation, every tribe and people and tongue standing before our lamb. A lamb slain, bought, purchased peoples from every tribe and tongue and nation for his glory to be praised. We will sing together. Salvation is to our God who sits on the throne. Notice he's sitting, right? Because he's already there. Past, present, future, our God is not limited like us. Time is a construct that we must experience, but he is a God eternal, not limited by time, but he works with us and in us and through us so that we would know him completely and make him known completely. So let's take a look. You got something in your hand, right? Do you know what you have there? We've got pieces. We all have got a piece. And there are a lot of missing pieces still out there. We know that there are many more colors. Nations, tribes, peoples, we've mentioned. Over 3 billion unreached. Over about 7,000 unreached people groups. 42% of the world population missing pieces, yet to be reached. And how are they going to be reached? By the church. Because who can make disciples? Only disciples. We looked a little bit at history. We looked at, at George Leal and his legacy, the first missionary from the United States sent out, established such a legacy. And that legacy continued to grow. The golden age of missions uh, from 1890 to 1910, over 200 African-American missionaries serving around the world, mostly in Africa and West Indies, were supported by African-American churches and white missions sending agencies working together. Together. What about today? World population has grown considerably, by the way, right? <laughs> Approximately uh, 300, perhaps. And unfortunately, that number of African-American missionaries 
It's dwindling because of a lot of retirement. Honestly, we have faithful servants. You may know many of them. We praise God for those he is rising up, like Richard and Amanda Coleman. If you're familiar with them, they've just gone to Ethiopia. But, you know, one of the things that, that Richard mentions, he's saddened about, he says, you know, I think that our family is the only African-American family and unit, missionary, single couple going out from the United States this year. We got some missing pieces. This is incomplete. We've got African-Americans making about 12% of the U.S. population and less than 1% of our sending force into the nations to make him known. But there has always been a faithful remnant, and that is something that we celebrate. One thing I, I mention, and again, highlight for some of you who I hope know, there's the National African-American Missions Conference coming up in June here. Uh, and, you know, praise God that he is stirring this movement so that we would say, yes, Lord, I want to be a part because you have given me your word. You've given us everything that we need. And now, Jesus, I want to follow you into making disciples among the unreached. We know, and I was encouraged last year by uh, the stories at NAMAC, um, that God is running his church well. Jesus, we, you know, we can't, we're not going to complain, right? Jesus is sitting on the throne. He knows what he's doing. And he's calling to us to respond and say, Jesus, yes, send me. So we know, I joke that, that uh, here's my title page. We are part of God's masterpiece. It is a blessing, but it's yet unfinished. This global church, the eternal church, is God's masterpiece that he has been working throughout history, choosing people, electing us, joining us together in one family. And he says, now show them who I am. As I've given, will I freely receive and give back. You hold a puzzle piece in your hand. What will you do with it? As we remember the unreached, let's consider how we might move to, because we know there is much, much more. There is a lot more complex, a lot more diverse, many more pieces out there for God's glory to be revealed to, through, and in his people. It will be much more glorious, much more colorful. And one thing that's missing from this picture is that we want to see a global unity in our diversity. Because we can do so much more together. In fact, this is the invitation that God gives us when we say, hey, what does he tell us about putting this whole piece together? He's the one who's created his body, right? When you look at your puzzle piece, when we put together a puzzle, say we were putting this puzzle, piece, uh, puzzle together, how would you figure out what to do with your piece? Hmm? Look at the box, okay. Yeah, we got that, right? We know because we got the end of the story. What else? Look at the other pieces. What's on the, what's on the table, right? What do we have together? You think I'm going to complete that puzzle with just my little piece over here? And being like, mmm, this is so pretty. Mm, I love it. It's blue. I'm, 
Jesus is glory. It's blue. I'm blue. Sometimes we act like that, right? How about we put it on the table and say, Kanita, what do you got? Ooh, I think we link up. Wow, hey, we can be better together. Wow, this is looking, this is looking even better. Not just blue. There's so much more. Let's do this, right? So let's be unified. Let's move from just holding on to our pieces, please. Right? Let's link up. Let's see what the Lord has said. We're going to look into the passage here of 1 Corinthians a little bit more in-depthly because it's like every verse, man, will rock us because God told us we are one body, many parts. Y'all holding a piece, right? Hmm, I know a lot of people have, have some verses. This might be, but just for the sake of time, I'm going to run through a little bit. And I want those that have the verses to look at what you have in your verse because we want to identify those key thoughts that we see in the scripture about who we are and what God tells us about who we will be together. All right, so here we are in a 1 Corinthians 12. You can all turn there, starting in verse 4. Now to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You each have a piece, right? But it's part of a whole. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one, just as he determined. Do we hear that God has already determined where the puzzles, pieces fit? The body is a unit, verse 12, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, for it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of spell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, one part suffers with it. Every part, excuse me, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What I tell you? I don't have to say anything. It says it. God's word speaks to us. What we must know, who we are, who we will be. Will we recognize his truth and believe by faith? And then together say, I'm not just one part. I want to move to here, Lord. Let me be part of the body and do my part. Because, and just again, moving into Ephesians here very quickly. Ephesians 4, I love this passage because it tells us something about God's wisdom in design. Now, again, it it talks about the unity in the body of Christ. It talks about how we've been given one spirit, one hope. We have one Lord. He tells about giving gifts, right? We've received. We're looking at our puzzle piece, and we say, thank you, Jesus, for my puzzle piece. And I want to give back to you because what does he say? Speaking in uh, Ephesians 4, 11. It was he, that's God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow, there's a lot more purpose behind what I've received, isn't there? I'm supposed to give it to build up, to encourage, to empower, to bring to maturity, to bring to completion, to bring to unity is what the Word of God tells me is the purpose of our body. Now, verse 14, let's continue. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Did you ever catch that? So what does every part need to be doing? Is work. So how do we get from here to there? How do we get 
so that I'm becoming mature and complete. It says I've got to build up. I've got to encourage. I'm going to give my gifts unto the Lord, unto the church, so that we all become mature and build unity and knowledge of the fullness of Christ. Because we will know him, as we said, so far partially, but as we move by faith together, fullness of Christ in unity together as each part does its work. Now, praise God. I love that Jesus, before he left, before he went on to complete his work on the cross, he prayed for us. So, you know, he is the son of God. <clears throat> I think his prayers are going to get answered. Just saying. And what did he say? He prayed not just for his disciples, but he prayed for us, the future church. This is John 17, 20. Moving on from there, he says, 21, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, we got to be one, even as the Father and the Son are one. He invites us to be in this spirit so that the world would believe that he is God's Son, our King, our one King. Wow, this is a powerful passage as you read through it. He says, I have given them the glory you have, that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We follow a God who sent his son. And he says, as I send my son, I'm sending you. Take my glory to the nations, but don't go alone. That's not going to work so well. Go together. Go together in unity of one spirit under one king. Praise God. Can we give Sophia a hand? Our heart's not stirring. God is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we want to open up just a couple minutes for a question and answer. Uh, so if you have any questions that you, uh, that God has dropped in your mind uh, as Sophia was speaking, please feel free to ask them. Don't be shy. She won't bite. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, that is exactly um, what I'm working on, actually, uh, especially to build unity and diversity. Because too long, especially the church in America, we have a lot of walls up. We got a lot of divisions. Wow, are we ignoring the word of God? <laughs> I mean, how does it that we read all of these things and think, I'm okay, dancing in my little party over here in blue by myself? When I got a church of brothers and sisters yeah. right down the street, and maybe we should do something together. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray to that end. Any more questions? I think that God has, of course, given us everything we need. First off, he's given us a task to make him known among the unreached. And I would say that the Great Commission is too big for any one of us, right, to go alone. So inherently, doing mission together brings us together. And so we just have to be intentional about it. Just as we want to be intentional about our evangelism, as we want to be intentional about our discipleship, we got to think, hmm, hey, I'm going together. We're bringing the youth. They're going on a, on a project, for example. Why don't I call up a couple churches nearby and say, do our youth want to do this together? I mean, I had a privilege of, of that experience, actually, when I was younger in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, my church partnered with about five, six different churches across every line. And we put on daily vacation Bible schools in each of the churches. And our group of leaders, these, you know, middle schoolers that were teaching the younger kids, we were from everywhere. And so we did that together and it brings us together. And then I now have friends, right, that don't look like me. They don't live in my neighborhood. They are in the church as one, but now I get to know them. We got to be intentional. Building those relationships. Amen. Have you found that in building partnership and relationship with other ministries, it's encouraged churches to get out of silos? Because I think there's a lot of fear um, amongst the church because our minds are so conditioned by what's around us. Um, but have you seen that, that in partnership, it's empowered ministries to go out more boldly and effectively? Yeah, I think that's why this message of unity is so important. Because we see it on the field, for example, like in Thailand. I mean, there's multiple agencies that work together because guess what? We're the only ones there, right? Problem is that we've bought in to the American mindset of, hmm, let me just be self-sufficient myself. I don't want to ask for help. I want to do my own thing. I want to do my own program. So if instead we say we need each other, right, did we not just read that? We can't say I don't need you. But have we done that in the church in America? So let's change it, and we've got to just move on it and say, God, I am following in obedience to what you have given us in the word, and I know that if I do that, as we follow in obedience, God is going to be in it. I think when I specifically bring up, um, especially among my white brothers and sisters, uh, a look into the past, 
That's not always a pleasant conversation. And that's why, again, uh, it's all about relationship. And our God is a God who is all about relationship and love that covers over a multitude of sins. So if we preach that king, he unifies us. But let's get down on our knees because, woof, that's the only way to do it. Humble ourselves. We all have to humble ourselves and say it's not about my rights. It's about the king who has bought everything I need. So we're out of time. It went by so quickly. Let's give Sophia one more hand. Give God glory for what we learned today. Amen. Sis, I love Amen. you. I'm so grateful for her. She wrecks me every time I hear her speak. So, so awesome. We're going to close for today. Just a little preview of next week. Next week we'll have uh, two missionaries under the age of 21 coming. Uh, Sophia Andrews, another Sophia who's 16, who will be actually leaving for Kenya the day after she speaks here. And uh, Courtney Nazair, who serves with Every Nation Ministries. So let's be praying about that. Just a little housekeeping. Please engage. Make Sophia welcome today. She has a table out here. Take materials. Uh,